0: the system welcome to dank discussions with your host calican ceo maynard breslow in each episode you'll learn from the trailblazers leaders entrepreneurs and influencers in the ever-moving ever-growing cannabis industry
1: hey there everybody welcome to dank discussions Today, we're joined by james cosina James is the CEO of New Hope CBD. So thanks for joining us today, James.
0: Hey guys, how's it going?
1: Yeah, appreciate it. You know, things going pretty good. And uh, today we're going to have a thank discussion. We're going to be talking about obviously you, your background and New Hope CBD, but also we're going to be talking about uh, some pretty cool topics here, including pricing cannabis in the national market, how CBD is going to be affected by the rec- recreational legalization and specifically on the East Coast. And of course, something that we all got to know about, right? Guerrilla marketing. In your state for cannabis so uh, a lot of different regulations a lot of different stuff that we we have to do as business owners and uh, so we will get into that a lot more so i guess before we get into everything like that let's uh, start off easy let our listeners know where you're based out of today
0: so um, new hope cbd is based out of terryville connecticut so we're over here on the east coast for sure and uh, we've been we were the first processors and manufacturers of hemp in the state of connecticut and right before that we we're assisting and, or I am a small, small partner in another recreational marijuana facility up in Maine. So we saw the opportunity to be kind of a powerhouse on the East coast for hemp. And we jumped right on board and kind of haven't been looking back ever since. And went through all the crazy struggles of 2019, which I'm sure everybody can share and then just started building back pretty strong. We have a fully vertically built- integrated system. So we've got CO2 extractor, short paths, reactor. We've got a facility that can hang up to an acre every 10 days. And we're currently growing hydroponically and have a lab that can pump out a variety of different products. So we're relatively
1: excited about where we are and where we're going. Just very excited to be here. I really appreciate you having me on. No, I love it. I mean, you got quite a setup there. You pretty much do everything in the sun, you know, and you mean, you mentioned you're the first in Connecticut. I mean, you know, we've got over a hundred of these out. And we've recorded quite a few more as well. But, you know, you're actually the first person, I think, that's from Connecticut, you know, that I'm speaking to. So it's always important for me, you know, I get to speak to people not just across the, the country, but across the world. Right. So, I mean, talk to me how things are in Connecticut in terms of cannabis. How do people view it? You know, what stigmas are associated there or are people more accepting or how how's kind of the feeling there on the ground?
0: Oh, it's it's a it's a it's a very interesting combination of individuals for sure. I would say that right. So, so the majority of people really actually were hesitant about it. I think that a lot of people didn't understand it. I say all the time we're we try to stay a year ahead of everyone else on the East Coast and we're two years behind California, right? So I just feel like and Colorado and Oregon, just you know, west, right? You guys are yeah. have just been been doing it for so much longer you understand the waves you understand the changes and uh, it was actually really kind of kind of interesting to see how it how it all developed here in ct so a big thing i think that kind of started us off was that the department of consumer protection and the department of agriculture kind of picked and choose from states because at that point in time maine vermont new hampshire massachusetts on the east coast had already kind of been doing and moving towards legalization of marijuana. And then you had, you know, West Coast, which was, you know, at that point in time, everyone was still scared, like, oh, we're going to be the next Colorado and it's going to get crazy. And so they didn't want that. So I feel like there was a mixture of lean regulations and strong regulations that became very interesting within within the Connecticut market. And you add that in with the hemp wave, which I don't know out in California, if it was the same for you, I'd love to know what you guys experienced out there. But I mean, every single farmer went all in in Connecticut and in a lot of locations. I mean, there are people growing, you know, from zero to 10 acres to 20 acres and had no idea how to harvest, how to how to transport. And so, you know, we kind of stepped in. We actually hired two of my friends out of Colorado that had been hanging for several years and we flew them up and we were just hanging hemp that whole first year. We had two full warehouses and not a lie, we jumped right into it. And it was, it was pretty difficult. We went, we went hanging for 23
1: hours a day for about three weeks straight. And it was exhausting. Wow. No, for sure. I mean, not for the fan of heart, for sure. And, you know, you mentioned kind of the differences between uh, California, Connecticut, I think you know, we you mentioned being a couple of years behind, but in a different way, it's, you know, you may be ahead in the sense that not only were we dealing with the, the you know, legal market, legalization, everything like that, but integrating the legacy market, right? And having decades upon decades of legacy and, and now trying to, you know, the legacy market has been doing it a certain way for, you know, and thriving for a long time. So now trying to introduce this brand new way of doing things where a lot of people are like, fuck it, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And some people are like, all right, like, let's do it the right way. But now you got all these, you know, regulations, uh, compliance, all this stuff where, you know, Connecticut, for instance, right? I mean, waiting and seeing how other states are doing. And like you mentioned, New Hampshire, Vermont, and kind of picking and choosing the things that are going well, things that aren't going well, kind of waiting and not really having those, that history or that way of doing things and being able to learn it. For the first time kind of thing i think maybe is could be an advantage i don't know you're you're the one who's doing it i mean do you, do you look at an advantage in any way like that so you
0: bring up like a, a pretty interesting point where like you do have that legacy market right out west and what's really interesting is because you didn't have any of them right like not that i'm an, I'm, I'm a novice by by mm-hmm. by trade from anybody out out, out west has been doing it legacy wise but you know when you come out on the east coast you know anybody with like two years experience had more experience than anybody else. So, I mean, it was, it was, it was chaos. Like there was a lot of sad farmers that I feel really bad about. I mean, perfect example, dude, like I even, it's still happening now. Right. And so I'm just going to throw out a strain and if you really like it, I apologize, but like it's hemp. Right. So I had somebody last year, 2020, right. Going into 2021 being like, Oh dude, I just grew three acres of Boax. And I was like, well, that's That's biomass. Like that's, you know what I'm saying? Like nobody's going to smoke that bud and yeah. he's thinking it's smoke cool, bud. there's just not, there's, there's, there's that, that whole thought process and understanding of like strain development was left behind and people were just so trusting of, you know, guys who were selling snake oil seeds, germination rates of like, you know, 75%, like 25% males, you know, I mean, it was, yeah. it was pretty bad. So in, in that sense, because of the lack of experience, that's a huge downfall. On a positive note, from a rollout standpoint of where our our legislation was and how we could just kind of roll out with it and do it right. And you was great, I think, for us.
1: No, no, definitely. And, you know, in terms of it, it does suck. You know, you hear horrible, horrible, sad stories with the farmers. And a lot of it is uh, no fault of their own, right? I mean, also people... Vendors not paying, you know, their bills and all kinds of different things going on, you know, with that as well. But you know, in terms of farmers who just maybe got into it and, like, hey, let's do this, right? And you know, there's been people who've been doing this for so long, and and the, you know, the genetics and just the art and the science that go along with it, and it's just not something yes. you can just like okay, cool, like we got these seeds, like let's put them in the ground. It's just like any other crop, you know, like and it's 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 not, right i feel
0: like that happened like, a lot i feel like yeah. that happened a lot yeah on, on the east coast like they're like oh like yeah we just we got you know we got fifteen thousand seeds and we just threw them in the ground and i was yeah. like okay cool like what's your spacing right like are you trimming the bottom third like what you know did you check out the lighting on on, on the area like what's your wind component like all of those things ended up mattering and i think we went from you know, individuals on the East coast growing, you know, 1,600 to 2,500 plants per acre down to 1,200 plants per acre and, and taking care of the product, you know, as much as it, it's just not a set of forget a crop, man, you know, and I, and I don't preach in the choir out, out, out West, but it's, that was the biggest issue that I felt like, you know, you go and, farmers would be so excited. I got six foot plants. I go, dude, your spacing is like 18 inches, bro. Like this is all going to be moldy. Like it's not okay. Like there's no air, there's no aeration through the entire thing. Like this is a problem. And they're like, there's so much weight. It's fantastic. It's not right now. It's not good. So that's definitely, that's definitely something from the East coast that, I think there was a catch-up line and I think we're, we're there now because, you know, the farmers that really want to grow and are interested in growing mm-hmm. are still growing. They might be growing in smaller batches, which is also okay. And then the other individuals that, that don't want to are are on to the next thing. Right. Which is fine.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's part of it. Right. You know, you're talking about whether in that sort of 2019 and, you know, you're still here, right. A lot of those people aren't still here, you know, in that regard. And, but I mean, you know, you mentioned yourself, right. I mean, that you're still pretty new to it, but you, you know your shit, right? And not only that, but you have a great operation, everything like that. And, you know, working 23 hour days and, you know, you can't be, you can't be doing this stuff if you don't love what you're doing. And if you don't have a passion for it and if you don't know what you're doing, right. So, I mean, take me all the way back, James, you know, where talking about your history with cannabis and what kind of led up to, to new hope.
0: So, yeah. So, so long story short, I was in the health, health industry for a while. Uh, a little over a decade. And so I ran a gym out of Greenwich and did a lot of in-homes through Westport in the Greenwich area, just general work for like high level physical therapist facilities, awesome education and health, just general. And then, you know, I kind of used cannabis as a way to handle anxiety and ADHD. So I kind of got, you know, started on that path. And then my cousin kind of came out of left field and was like, hey, listen, dude, like I'm doing a medical, medical growth in Maine. I was like, oh, let's, you know, so we went up and saw it. Uh, we got him some investment, which was great. And we ended up, you know, starting that out. And that was back in 2016 into 2017. And we we're like, oh, Rex is going to pass in Maine on, you know, 2018 is going to be great. Fast forward, it passed in 2020, you know, just because, legislation is legislation. And so in 2019, when Connecticut came through, I've already been doing it for two years at that point in time. So I said like, all right, dad, let's go to the first meeting. So we went to the first meeting, realized that there was an opportunity that we actually had more experience than a lot of individuals there. Uh, And we already kind of had a roadmap based off the fact that we saw what the medical industry was doing up in Maine. And we kind of took a leap and said, okay, cool, we're going to do some CBD stuff. So we got started on that. We got our license on June 20th of 2019 and we started purchasing all of our extraction equipment, built out a 4,000 square foot facility specifically for our lab and our extractor and then kind of started promoting ourselves. Within 3 months we got about 15 phone calls saying like I don't know what to do with my hemp, but you know I can't hang it anywhere, like what can you do? So we ended up, you know, taking in about 15 different farmers, small batches, one farmer's large batch. Uh, one farmer got in trouble. We took you know, 17,000 pounds of just tops, right? And we hung them and dried them and processed them in. I always tell like the funny story because, you know, everybody on here, you know, is in the industry just in general, like, right, like, you know, a lot of your listeners. So like the first thousand pounds that I got out of Colorado, we went down there and we purchased it for $37,000 for the first thousand pounds we ever purchased. Right. So just put that in, in retrospect, I could probably get a thousand pounds right now for somewhere around 1250.
1: And it just shows how the market cra- just how everything.
0: Right. Market, market, just I'm not even 90. It's That's like 98%, percent, dude. Just yeah. straight down. Yeah. Right. So, like, that happens in December. We don't know what we're going to do. Uh, honestly, like, legislation kind of put restrictions on our processor that was a little bit different than all the other states because they kind of did some combinations. Where they wanted us to test for microbial before before we decarbed. right? So we're like, look, how are we gonna figure that out? Had to figure it all out. Crude prices drop, distillate prices drop, everything's dropping. Mm-hmm. We situate ourselves with a few wholesalers and a conglomerate of individuals that ended up sending me around to try to process millions of pounds in different facilities. I got to go to a lot of processing facilities in Colorado, Oregon, California, Maine, Michigan, Pennsylvania. So went around to all these extraction facilities, got to see how they were running things, how they were doing things, just trying to educate myself. You know, 2020 hit COVID, right? And we kind of changed our roadmap a little bit. And we started doing a lot of white labeling, you know, and we kind of started crushing our lab for that and our, our extractor. So we ended up doing, like one of our main things is we, we do non-vegan gummy. So it's pure beef, bovine, organic gelatin. Started crushing those gummies out like crazy. A vape carts like crazy. Delta-8 comes in, helps us out a little bit. Then Connecticut bans Delta-8, take it all off the shelves. You know, so we we keep going, and then we started growing ourselves in 2020, and then we started growing hydroponically, specifically because recreational marijuana in Connecticut is going to have a lot of restrictions on microbials. So we're doing deep water, which is what we were doing up in Maine, and so our deep water culture is just continuing to to you know get honed in and tweaked in the new environment, which is a larger facility than we we deal with up up north, and uh, you know just. Keep plugging along, and right now we're in about we're about 130 locations. We're in uh, rec stores, a few rec stores in different states. We do white labeling all over the country, and you know we're hanging in there. And in hopefully, 20 by the end of 2022, we should be in 400 stores in Connecticut and about 55 recreational facilities all over the country.
1: Wow, amazing, amazing. I mean, yeah, weather that storm, and you know, talking about how. You know, for a lot of people, Delta A was uh, and still is kind of like this godsend, right? You know, where it was like, okay, the market crashed, but we got Delta A and Delta A was killing it, you know? And then a lot of people like Connecticut, right? You know, it's just taking off the shelves. I mean, how do you deal with that? Right. You got this thing, you're looking and you're like, cool, we're, we're turning the corner again. And then just like having everything in, taking off the shelves, not just, you know, finish what you got here, but it's done
0: yeah that was that was really interesting. so like once once I think Texas passed legislation and Connecticut sent out an email to all of us, so at that point in time we were like 50 locations, and so they sent out an email to us, I forget the exact date, but basically they gave us two weeks to take everything off the shelves, right So like, like I had to send letters out to every single one of our, our, recreational, our recreational facilities, head shops, we're in pharmacies, and I was like, here, listen. Like I'm sending you this letter. I, I'll swap out all the product that you have with CPD products, right? We'll make it right. We don't want to leave any customer behind. We don't want to screw anybody. But like, I need you to sign this letter, which I'm going to come. The closing date was Friday. I'm, I'm going to I go to all the facilities on Thursday. Wow. The, the owners had to sign the letter saying if there's any Delta 8 in the facility, it's there because they did not tell me. They signed it. I have my lawyer wrapped it up signed it and left right because that, that's the whole thing like we're reliable as a company if, if that's cool so you know we're actually we're actually launching a company out of florida right now as well a cbd company that's called dark side which should be pretty interesting new hope that, and dark side you know, like that
1: you know i mean i figured you know like, shit he probably gets this all the time right i mean New hope I mean, it has, it's connected to Star Wars. It's got to be connected. Is
0: it too? Is it too? Is it, is it? Is it? Is it too? I mean, listen. Like any publicity is good for Bushy, right? Like, listen. Like, if they come after me, like, I don't. I don't think they will. I, th- I don't think it's that close. No,
1: no, no. Right? I, I just um, thought about it myself. But
0: yeah. What's interesting about that is my grandfather, who's eighty-eight, is the one that came up. By, my, he's eighty-eight years old. He's the one that came up with the name New Hope. he is, and he's not. He's no. He has no idea what Star Wars is. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. And like every single, and like, and all of us were like, "This is fantastic. We love it. This is great." new yeah. hope perfect fantastic right but he has no idea right so then when we were going to come up with you know a different a different brand for distribution in 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 locations that are so we're going to be manufacturing out of florida for dark side and that's going to be for all of our other products right that connecticut won't allow so its what it is man it's been a wild ride man you just got, well, you have to do what you got to do in order to, in order to grow in this market that is incredibly, incredibly cutthroat sure.
1: Oh, that, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? I mean, we're, I just got off a uh, call with the client talking about the cutthroat, you know, we're talking about like 25 cents here, 25 cents there, but it makes a big difference on both sides. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's a big, Dude,
0: big it's not, it's, I, I've had distributors, I've had distributors be like, it, like, I, I'm getting it for, I'm getting it for. 7.25 and i go okay i go i'll give it to you for 7.20 they're like yep and i'm like dude you for real right now like, you just dump somebody for five cents it's crazy but it's just it just is what it is man
1: yeah yeah
0: it's nickel and it's nickel and dime literally height
1: game of inches it's nuts so i mean talk to me about that right we're talking about the the pricing of cannabis in the national market i mean you've been there from before when it was like you know, everybody, who, their mother, you know, was coming in and saying, you know, you can print money in the industry and everything and weather the storm and you still have this great facility, you know, and, and but you still got to make a profit, right? You know, so you have my, the more, the bigger the facility, the, the more cost overhead, everything, right? Like you guys got going on. So, I mean, how do you price things out and, and, and talk to me about that process? So, yeah. So, I mean,
0: I I always say in our, in our industry, like, and I have conversations with uh, our accountant and and a couple of our investors. And I basically just say, like, listen, like it's always going to be a race to the bottom. And what I mean by that is like, we could take THCO, Delta Eight, all of those other, uh, you know, pick, take a poison, right. HHC. Right. And they're all super high right now. Right. But at the end of the day, like it's, it simply comes down to the raw materials plus labor, Right plus overhead plus plus thirty percent. Like mm-hmm. I don't. I, I mean, give me an item that's that doesn't end up settling there. And I think that that's the biggest issue is that you have, especially on the East Coast, this is where it's challenging for us because you have extraction companies. I've seen them. I mean, our CO two cylinders, you know, hold twenty pounds at a clip and run at two and a half hour intervals. Right, I can do, you know, I can do fifteen hundred pounds a week, which mm-hmm. is more than enough. To do any white labeling in any contract that i want to do right gives me 20 liters a week it's great right i've seen dudes that do 20 liters in 20 minutes it's like i mean wow. their extraction their extraction facilities are cylinders that have to be moved with cranes it's wow. like amazing amazing facilities right and so you're dealing with those people and those prices and at one point in time we shut our extractor down because i couldn't make co2 oil that that was cheaper than me tolling it from another company that was just bigger than me. Right. That's how low prices went. And so when you're pricing out the market, I feel like you have you have people in our industry that are very cutthroat and that are searching and and with the internet and education. Every time it touches the distributor's hands, it goes it, you know, has to go, it has to go up anywhere between 20 to 25%, right? That's just that's just kind of the, the math. And people are searching for the end user all the time, right? Like it's automatically large distributors are picking up and going. And so you have to be able to do at least some form of volume and kind of stay in your lane. So like a lot of a lot of companies that I see, they're like, I'm going to do 37 products. I go, dude, like, well, then you better be able to buy... 5,000 labels and 5,000 containers for every mm. single one of those products. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. If,
0: you, if you can't at least go that high, you, you're not going to be able to compete, right? I still have guys that are like, oh, like, you know, I'm, I'm selling like 500 milligram tinctures for $60. I go, oh, dude, it, it, that's over. Wow. You have to, it, because that's not what the oil is worth. That's not what the price is worth. And so when you're pricing stuff out, you need to make sure that you're bringing it down to a realistic number that you're happy with or your company needs to be happy with where you go like, okay, cool. Like I want to make this a of percentage, right? On all my, items. it could be 50%, it could be 60%, it could be 70%. It doesn't really matter. Right. But like, then you have to actually go and reverse engineer that say, what's my costs and what's realistic. And like, that's your price. And I feel like in the industry, especially in 2019 and 2020, like, you know, oil is $6,000 or farmers are like, I'm going to get $3.50 a point all right, dude, well, like if you're going an acre, $60,000 an acre, that's not realistic. There's no, there's no justification for your labor and your costs to hit that number. So it's impossible. And I see that happening specifically in the marijuana industry as it's come, as it's rolling through. And I, I get a lot of people from the East Coast saying like, oh no, like, like you know, marijuana prices are, are going to, you know, this, this is what it's going for and, and this is what's going to happen. And I feel like, listen, like you got deregulation, decriminalization. Right. Even on California, like, right, like you guys have been, you know, you go, you go to the legacy guys, like, they've been, they've been moving product, right, across, across, across coasts for a long time. And now you've got Vermont and New Hampshire and Maine that have been growing like large scale hemp, hemp, right? Like, I, I went up to, I know in upstate New York, like, there's, there's people that are growing 700 acres right, of hemp. I know in Vermont, there's people that are growing hundreds of acres. New Hampshire, same thing. So if these individuals, right, are all of a sudden switching over into marijuana, right, there's no shipping anymore. Like, that's over, right? So, like, the large the large grows that are going to be happening in Cali, they're not going to have anywhere to ship, right? Because, like, right now, shipping costs are, like, the largest thing ever. So, like, you, you have this influx of material and it's going to come down to who's the best grower, right? You're going to have like three, 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 in my opinion, you're going to have three variations and in hemp as well, you're going to have biomass, right? You're going to have bottom price and then you're going to have boutique. And that's all you're going to have. Right? Because in my, in my opinion, like hemp, hemp, I still see hemp going for $1,200. I've seen it. $1,200 a pound. Right? And I've also seen him go for $30 a pound.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Right? Like, what's the, what's the difference? Right? Tricombs, right? Like, just straight out, like, marbling. Just beautiful, dense, gorgeous nugs that are grown the right way. And, that, and that's where I see the same thing in marijuana happening. Where, like, you're going to have outdoor grow that's, like, crap. That's going to go for, like, $400 a pound. And you're still going to have the boutique that goes to four. Like, it's going to be massive. And the issue is that influx, like everybody on the East coast is going to be like, oh, like what well, we're going to grow and we're going to do this. And I go, dude, like you can't jump in and be like, and you're going to price it out as a business plan where we're going to make $4,000 a pound. And it's your first year growing. Like, that's just not going to, there's no, dude, there's no way. You don't have the genetics. You don't have the experience. You're not dialed in and there's going to be a flood. So like, you're going to be crap on crap on crap on crap. And like, there's, you're going to get lost and you're going to have to hit rock bottom price to try to move your stuff. And that's kind of where like the national market, I, I see, a, I see an interesting thing that's going to happen. where like, it's going to, it's going to get rough.
1: No, it's, it's crazy. And you bring up some good points, you know, yeah, but you know, bring back to what you're talking about earlier in terms of, you know, people coming in and not having those genetics and having those wild expectations and these arbitrary numbers that just come out of nowhere, right? And just kind of like coming in and then they don't have the experience to know how to move it, right? They don't know how to actually, you know, they don't have the connections. They don't have that kind of infrastructure in the same way, right? And as we were talking about, you know, one thing we want to cover here is, that guerrilla marketing, right? So, I mean, things are different in different places, and you know, you mentioned how I think you said one hundred and thirty locations you are in right now, and by the end of the year, you want to be into four hundred, right? Kind of thing. So, I mean, how do you go from one hundred and thirty to four hundred in twenty twenty two, right? I mean, as opposed to twenty nineteen, you know, twenty eighteen, these these different times, right? How how are you getting there today?
0: So, like the big the big thing that like like really got me and I think that a lot of individuals in, in small business, that like, like try to like go to a medium business, which is why I think that we are right now I have an issue with it, is like letting go. Right. So like if you're, if you're in your grow, right. For more than, for more than 10 hours a week, or you're trimming for more than 10 out hour, 10 hours a week. Like if you're working out on your floor, right. Or in your grow for more than 20 hours a week, and you're not making phone calls for 40, right. You're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that right before, right beforehand, I kind of asked you a question, like with your podcast where I was like, Oh, I do like, you know, how, how you've been doing it? Like, how do you, you know, is it, is the editing hard, all this other stuff. Right. And you're like, no, dude, like, cause you know, you have to have an editor, right. You have to have a production team. And I think that that's where like, you know, the team needs to run smoothly and it needs to be a flow and that takes time to to do. And that takes some patience. So right. Right. We have sales reps that go out. We have lead generators, right. Just like anybody, you know, in any market would. And then we have a really good organization as far as like our program. So from the time we get a client, let's just call it a head shop, right. Mm -hmm. So, okay. We, we, we find a head shop. We make a cold call, say, yeah, do you have CBD? You have CBD? Great, right? So that's potential sale. We have a drive-by, right? We do a drive-by. Then we go to a call to confirm the drive-by and confirm another drive-by to them. We send out an individual, right? And we bring them products. We have data supporting how much our sales are per month in a normal headshot based off square footage based off location, all those other fun things. And then as soon as they make an order, that order goes right through our system, straight to our, our floor, right? Our factory floor. And the order is getting made that day and it's getting sent out. And that organization is what makes you and allows you to grow. I say this a lot and it took me, I'm still learning it for sure. You know, if you want to be the brain of your company, brain doesn't move. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us in this industry, we like to move, right? Like I love trimming. I love hanging. I love growing. I love all that stuff. Right. I even love sales. Right. It comes down to sitting at the office, man, sitting at the office and plugging numbers and, and managing, managing your team. If if you really want to grow, like that's, that's something you got to yeah, hone in on and, and hammer down.
1: Well, no, I mean, that's amazing. That's all gold, you know? And I think that that's kind of where we, you know, people think that the cannabis industry differs from any other industry. Right. And just like in any other business, right. If you're working, you can't work in your business, you have to work on your business, right. You can't be doing all the grunt work and doing all this and expecting to grow. You have to be getting out there. You have to be on the phone. You have to be doing things, moving things, you know, and I think people came in with, and they still have it, obviously, you know, and as legalization moves through the country, you know, people have this kind of pipe dream and I, I feel bad in one sense, right? But, you know, there's just still this expectation that if you build it, they will come. And it's just this expectation of like, we're going to sell this no matter what, you know, and they don't have a marketing plan. They don't have a sales plan. And you guys have it like down to a science, down to numbers, down to, you know, square footage. But- we're you know, we're all,
0: we're, all, we're always improving. I ain't saying we Of course. No, there's, but that's way it is.
1: I mean, that's called optimizing, right? You know, that's called we have a system and we're optimizing the system. You know, it does. It's not just like oh, we're gonna wing it. And yeah, we'll see. Like I don't know, I'll hit up some dude or like someone's gonna hear that we're out there. I'm gonna post something on social media and somebody's gonna like find us and come. In. You know, I mean, people just have uh, whatever because they just haven't thought about that stuff yet. I think a lot of times. So, so
0: I, I kind of refer it to like, everyone, I, I think about I, I very much think about numbers. Actually, a lot of my, a lot of my team is like, Oh my God, more numbers. God, don't come at me with numbers. Like that's, I'm very much a numbers guy. And I like to throw out numbers to a lot of people, especially if they're thinking about getting into this industry. I'm sure a lot of the people that listen to your podcast are, and I'm not saying you can't do it. And I'm not saying it's not very gratifying and that you're helping, Believe it or not, you're helping a lot of people. I know, I know that state to state, some things get bad reps. Like I'm talking to legislation right now to, you know, try to get a rec license and try to get in there. But when you look at the margins and where I believe it's going to settle, right, everybody in the marijuana industry, unless you're actually selling it out of your shop yourself, right, which is fine, and you can make a lot of money doing that in general, but currently like other than large, large brands, you're not going to grow because it's also hard to manage multiple stores that comes out of management, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You are going to end up you are going to end up with a margin of about 50%. And when everyone's like, oh, that's you know awesome or whatever, I go, listen, dude, if you got in the alcohol industry right now and you made tequila oh or you made whiskey or you made, you know, wine, okay, well, you could sell a wine bottle a bottle of wine for twenty dollars and it's gonna cost you a dollar to make. But nobody's doing that because it's hard, right? Soda. You can make, make bottled soda. It's not healthy for you. It's not good for you, but it costs you a nickel to make a can of soda and you're going to sell it for two bucks. Like, why aren't you doing that?
1: Yeah.
0: Right? It's potato chips. You get three potatoes, you slice them, you, you roast them in the oven and you put them in a bag, you sell them for three forty nine. dollars 49 Right? Those are the, all of those things that I just told you are better margins than marijuana. Right? And nobody is doing them, even though they're they're money makers, because the issue isn't making it Right. The issue is that it is hard. Now, having said that, again, legacy growers, master growers, right, which I am not, right? And I won't say that I am, those individuals do have the advantage, right? Because they put in the time, they put in the work, they have the genetics, they have you know, they have the mothers and they're working the system. And yeah, they're gonna make great money. But if you're going into this industry and you think that you're gonna like just come in, get a rec license first year grow and you're going to make, you know, you're going to be a master grower. Yo, unless you are, unless you are like the luckiest dude I've ever met, I love, I would love to meet a person who's like, yeah, I did a grow for the first time. They're perfect. They're awesome. Got 4,000 a pound, dude, show me, show me what you did. Right. Cause it it doesn't exist. You got to put in the time. You got to put in the work just like everybody else to get there. And I feel like a lot of people are going to be disappointed, man. It's just my, it's just my, it's just my feeling.
1: I mean, we've got our own personal grow, and even that, you know, can be a bit sometimes, you know what I mean? Just for it's a nightmare in the house. Oh, you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, what happened? What happened over here? You know? So imagine that. And you know, 25% of your crop is, is gone, you know, or, or worse, you know, it's, it's just crazy. It's oh, your, your pump goes
0: and the water overheats and everybody's got root rot. It's, you know, you, shoot, you get excited to show one of your friends and one of your friends had, you know, mold on their shoes and like, that's it, bro
1: that's it then it's gone gone ski dude it's it's nuts wow i mean no definitely i mean i love what you guys are doing and just how you guys you know like you mentioned you know cool there's people doing it bigger than us you know but there's uh you know you guys seem to have a, a pretty good system down everything like that now obviously you know there's still challenges right you know so i guess like what's the biggest obstacle that you guys are still facing So
0: biggest obstacle, biggest obstacle for new hope for growth currently, right, is, is definitely, you know, maintaining and managing the flow as we build. That's always a huge, huge issue. Finding good employees, huge issue. I would say the other, the other big thing is when you're working with distribution and all those other things, is that like, you really have to keep in touch with every single person. And that, that becomes the challenge. That becomes like a logistical and communication issue because if you don't touch every single shop that you're in at least once every three weeks, you have a very good opportunity of losing them. And I feel like that's where a lot of people like run short. And if you look at like the basis distribution or the guys that get into the business for a quick buck and then get out or anything else like that, like they'll all have guys like go to the head shop and they'll drop off product and then you won't see them for like eight months. And that happened a lot in 2019 and 2020. There's so many companies opening up like, oh yeah, I put my stuff in here and you want to buy my stuff. And They might've been the first person into that store, into that head shop that got CBD but New Hope ended up rising to the top because we were consistent, right? Like mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. need to see your face. And as you grow, right, you need more faces in your in your industry, right? And like that's in, in your company, right? So like right now, like that's what we're trying to do right now. Our sales reps are becoming our face in the industry. And, you know, we're transitioning some of our old clients to the, our sales reps or to our customer service. And that becomes very challenging. Number one, for you as an owner to let go, right? And then number two, for the individual to get used to that person. Uh, and I would say, like, that's that's so. The biggest challenge is myself, honestly. I'm gonna, I'm literally gonna say that, for like from a relinquish of power. I think my employees would agree with me, right? From from a relinquish of power, it's hard, man. Right, right. Like I'm letting my grow oh, yeah. go. Like somebody else is controlling my grower right now. Right. Somebody else is controlling like my sales teams and I have meeting with, with I have meetings with those individuals so that they can come in and they can talk to me about what's going on. And like actually I got I got Tim right back there. He's there he is he's my he's my IT maniac. Right. And like he he organizes all of those people very, very well. And like without him, I I I, I don't know. I probably I probably have a, I probably have a nurse breakdown, honestly. You know, so so it's really important to find those employees that are, that are good. And as you grow. And I think that that's all of those are the biggest challenges, but they're all the same thing, right? It's the growth. It's controlling the growth to make sure that I think that you, there's a people out there and you can pretty much pick your brand. They, they get so big that the service just goes right down the yeah. tubes. And yeah. I don't think in this, in this growing industry, there's too many players right now for you to be able to do that, man. You can't even you can't let up for a second.
1: No, it's true. It's true. And that, I mean, that's the important thing, right? Like you said, biggest obstacles are ourselves. And sometimes it has to do with being able, being willing to relinquish that control, right? Being willing to like, okay, well, I know I can do this shit. Now I have to get somebody in who, who can do it hopefully better than me. Right. You know, and I, yep. that's, the, that's the point, right? I don't have to be doing 12 things anymore. You know, I can get somebody in here and and they kind of report to me and let me know what's going on. And, if there's something going on, then there. It's, you know, it's on them kind of thing. And we got to figure out what's going on over here with that, you know? So.
0: And, and, and with that too, like, so again, like it's a relinquished power. It's, it's, you know, I, I hate to like, be like, cause again, do you like go to any grower? Right. And just be like, Oh, do you like, show me exactly what you do? And they're like, I don't know. Right. Like, like they don't, they don't, there's a hesitation, right. There's a hesitation for genetics in this industry. There's the stigma of everything that like, you know, we all went through, Like if you go, you know, if you go back a bunch of years, right. Like, they are like, yeah, I ain't telling, I ain't telling anybody anything. Right. Like like there's that, like, I think that when I went through 2019 and 2020, there was that right. Like I had people texting me pictures that I posted on Instagram of our supply and be like, Oh dude, you want, do you, do you need, do you need bud? And I'm like, dude, that that's literally my facility. Like, what are you doing? I've had people return material on, I had people take material on consignment and return different material to me. Right. I've had people like stiff. You have people stiff you. It's this, this industry, this industry was, was made on distrust. Right. If you go back far enough. Yeah. I think that a lot of the individuals in it had to be weeded out in order for you to be like, okay, cool. Like here's how I grow. And you know, you have somebody do that. Here's how we trim. Here's how we pack. Here's my client list to an individual. Like, right. Like it's, it's not an easy thing to relinquish because you, you keep it so close to your heart because when you're dealing with other individuals or when you're making deals, right. Like I know for a fact that if I gave, I actually work with two of my, my two of my competitors, we kind of came together and, and we talk, but at the same time, like and and we do we supply things like I do I do a couple things better than they do they do a couple things better than me and so it's like dude like let's just come together because we're medium companies and these big companies are crushing us because they can their margins are so much lower than us because they're only, they're, they're buying so much volume right so we'll buy jars together or we'll buy you know vacuum seal bags together or we'll we'll buy you know disposable containers together. So that way, you know, we can, we can drop down our price. Right. And, and that. that's another thing, like trusting people. But at the same time, dude, when I talk to those individuals, I will never give him them a client name and they will never give me yeah. a client name. Right. Yeah. So like, it's just, you just do not talk about it. Like, right. Like that is my client. You use, it's crazy, man. You use fake addresses. You use fake name, like every single one of my clients, they have a nickname.
1: They don't yeah. have a real name.
0: And, and it's a legit business, right? But like the reason why is because like I tell this story, I, I was out of I was out of a specific strain and I needed it. And so somebody was supplying it to me, right? It was, it was Hawaiian haze. I needed Hawaiian haze. I had a buyer that wanted 500 pounds of hand trim material. So I needed to find shuck material of 1500 pounds because you got 66% loss, you know, going into hand trim. It shuck material, right? And they only wanted stuff that was over a quarter of an inch Large, so he wouldn't tell me where he was getting his, the material from the farm. So he ended up bringing me a bunch of super sacks that were not Hawaiian haze. I was like, "Dude, I don't want these. I need Hawaiian haze." And his driver was not happy. Well, it was it was like three hours late, and I was like, "Dude, like, what's going on?" So he ended up giving me a micro brewery beer, right? that was from a beer facility that's very popular and I was like hey I know that beer and I know mm. where that, that beer is from and if it's still cold it means he got it and drove directly to me right so you wow. just do a quick search right so you do a quick search and I mean he was overcharging me by about 50% for this material cuz I couldn't find it so I go okay cool like I I looked at that I, you know I looked at that site I did a perimeter search of 20 miles from that facility, found the farm, found the product that I needed, made a deal with the farmer directly as opposed to the distributor. Right. And he was out. So, like, it's, it is that kind of industry. And, I, and I'm telling that story like, cause everyone's like, oh, like, you know, you're, you're so honest and loyal. Like, go like this to be like, if, if he was just, if he was just upcharging me 10% for the delivery, I wouldn't have done anything. Right. But he was overcharging me because it was, I couldn't find it right yeah. and he had something that i couldn't and like that was, it was to me it's egregious and a lot of deals that i see and that i've seen go south are because like people are like oh i want i want 50 dollars a pound on the hemp or i want this on the, on this and like you start getting all these middlemen in between oh, and yeah. like too like if a farmer comes to me and they have hand trim material i tell him the price i show him the transaction on the bank and i go like listen dude like I need $10 I, if, if, if a large buyer is going to come and pick up your material, I need $10 a pound. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I'm a middleman. I don't, need, I don't need a lot. Like, right. I need it because I got to, I got to I get it from you. I got to store it in my warehouse. I got to, I got to move it. I got to do it. I have to pay my employees. I got to pay my overhead and you're not egregious. But so like I it's a it's an interesting story that I tell because that's how cut through this industry is, man. It's crazy.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, thanks for sharing that. It's a great story, you know, it's, and there's a lot of things that go into it, you know, talking about, you know, all the way back from the legacy market, you know, the distrust and everything. I mean, you know, genetics is IP, right? That's one thing, you know, like that's my IP. Like I figured this stuff out, you know, but another thing is, is a lot of these dudes never even had their picture taken. They never even had their real names out there. You know what I mean? Like talk about nicknames, like these dudes had nicknames too, because, They didn't want to have people knock on the door, you know, and and all that fun stuff. So coming to even meet these dudes was a big thing, you know, at at one point and figuring out who these guys were. And so, yeah, that distrust, I kind of thought it's weird for a lot of these guys to actually now be, you know, master growers, consultants, you know, going on podcasts, doing shit because it's like, whoa, like 30 years ago, like I could never have imagined sending you my picture to put it on for people to see that I'm like a master grower and consultant and making million dollar, you know, grows and all, you know, all these, these crazy things, you know, going on. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh,
0: it, it's, 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 it's an interesting world. And that, that's what I'm saying. Like you have to let you have to let that side of it go and you have to start trusting people and you have to actually like allow yourself to like, yeah, to be okay with, with the possibility that it's either, it's either growth or it's not. But if you don't, if you yeah. don't try and you don't actually like trust, it's, it's, you're going to be where you're at. And if you're happy where you're at, that's cool, man. I know a lot of guys that are legacy growers that are, you know, they're growing, you know, indoor 72 pot and they're, dude, they're super happy, bro. You know what I mean? And they've got fantastic genetics and it, they grow and it goes and they grow and it goes and that's it. Right. It's all I need.
1: Yep. Yep. Now, you know, shifting gears here to, to New Hope and you know your your offerings, your products, and you know also you know you mentioned here Dark Side that's coming up, right? So, talk to me a little about uh, New Hope, a little about Dark Side, and what uh, the future holds for for both those, and anything else you have coming up.
0: Yeah. So, so we're excited about this. Uh, about this in general, like right? So we're going through the the lottery right now. So Connecticut's doing a lottery for recreational marijuana. So New Hope CBD will also be New Hope THC, hopefully. We'll see. I mean, it's literally, I, I, it's very interesting. Like, I have no idea how this lotto is going to pan out, but New Hope's hopefully going to be in 400 locations. Connecticut, we're currently growing at about five, five locations a week right now, which is great. We haven't even started to go into gas stations or anything else like that. And our white labeling, the lab, is continually growing. Right now, we're hoping to grow from 50% white labeling and 50% distribution to somewhere around 70-30 in the year 2022. And I think that that's that's super exciting. Right now, we're only growing hydroponically about, I think, 24 plants. And by the end of this year, we want to be at a three-room, 30-plant cycle. And then we're going to it up. So it's going to be two stories, which is going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much new hope in a nutshell. We've, we've got it pinned down. we got our goals, our quarterly goals that we're trying to meet, which I would tell everybody to do. Like, if you don't set goals, man, it's, it's, you ain't going to make it anywhere, right? It's yeah. a ship with, ship with no destination.
1: And I have so, a roadmap, you know, knowing where you want to go and then you got to figure out how to get there. Like you said earlier, reverse engineer, you know? Okay, cool. Now we know how to get yeah, there. Yeah. Oh, how the fuck are we going to get there now, you know?
0: Yep. And I also I also love, like, so I don't know if you ever read uh, Elon Musk's autobiography, you could like or not like Elon Musk, but what's really interesting is they set, like, almost unobtainable goals. So, like, if, if we hit, four, if, if our goal is 400, okay, well, great. We missed it and we only got to 250. Awesome, still great. You know what yeah. I'm saying. So if, yeah. if you if you set out at, at a high speed, you're gonna end up having problems. You might not always reach your your destination. But if if you're not happy with 50 percent of what your goal is for the year, you ain't you, you ain't setting that goal high enough for sure. So then also like so, dark side came out with the fact that like really like we kind of see it, an intense market, and with Texas VFW. Actually, going to bat and trying to get Delta 8 reinstated into Texas. We see an opportunity. I have family down in Florida, and there is a lot of Delta 8 and different cannabinoids going in all around the Florida area specifically. I think that there's an opportunity there for us to continue to grow. We have individuals down there that we trust and that can manufacture for us, specifically my family. And so we are going to be white labeling out of that location any of the products that we feel we can't manufacture out of. Uh, New Hope. I also just like Dark Side in general. We wanted that name. So we created that LLC real quick. And we're hoping that that growth is going to bring back. So w- when we had to get rid of Delta A, just in general, our white labeling went down about 40%. So did our distribution on a, on a monthly net basis. So we're hoping to pick that back up, which is going to be a nice little add on for us because I see the market and the direction is basically like, you know, cash is going to be king in the next. Two to three years, and if you're not ahead of everybody, you're going to be behind everybody.
1: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I mean, yeah, a lot of great stuff there. You know, talking about Elon Musk, and you know, it just you know, I was always taught as a kid, you know, it's uh, the cliche, right? You aim for the stars, you'll hit the ceiling. But if you aim for the ceiling, you won't, you know, won't get even on, get off the ground. So it's super important to have those goals and to set them high enough, but you know, something that achievable and, and having that, uh, you know, actionable kind of pieces that you can break it down.
0: So, so when he was this this is a story out of his autobiography that I just absolutely and I talked to my my, my staff about on a continual basis and it stresses them out. But so the Tesla, the the car, right, was going from LA to San Francisco. they finally they got the the battery to last that long. So his staff came in and I, I might be getting the, the actual destinations completely wrong, but y'all understand the point anyway came in and they said, okay, cool. Our next goal is to get from LA to Vegas. And he said, no, I want to get from LA to Florida. And they're like, that's impossible. Right? So again, I might be butchering the story. So I apologize, but he fires his whole staff and he hires a brand new staff and they try to make it to Florida. And they do all of these things, re-engineer, blah blah blah, and they make it to Texas. Now the point is, is that the goal was so unachievable that even failing the goal was still better than the original goal, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So like, if they just went to Nevada, if they just wanted to go to Vegas, they might have missed by fifty miles, hundred miles, Would've because they wanted to go all the way to Florida. They, right. They be, yeah. Right. So be, because they went all the way to Florida. They, they had to wipe the like clean and come out, come up with brand new ideas that were so out of left field and right field that it changed the way that they looked at the car. Right. So like, if you're not trying to continually change the way or, or, or I tell everybody this too, like you have to go to conferences. Like I'm going to go to champs. It's actually in Vegas this, this, this weekend. And I continually go to anything I can on the West coast, I continually go to trade shows that aren't even in our industry. Right. Like I go to chocolate trade shows. I go to chip trade shows because they're, they're they're coming out with new ideas of marketing, Mm. new ideas of processing, new ideas of like just brand new, brand new items. Right. Like nobody would have thought people were going to spray CBD and Delta eight on potato chips, but that crap is happening right now. Like, like what, like what what is that? Right. Like, like, who would have thought like there'd be THC nerve ropes. That's a thing. Right. And so like one of our big things is like we make CBD coffee. Right. And that's fantastic. But like all of these things are, are really, or like the fact that like now, like, you know, one ML cartridges are a thing of the past. Like everybody's doing like 1.5, two, two MLs. I'm sure there's going to be like a three ML. Like, like, you know, what I'm saying like bigger, better. I also think that we're doing something a little bit different as well. Just kind of like going through. I don't know. You can edit this or chop it up however you want. Yeah, I love um, it. but what New Hope's doing that's a little bit different as well is because we're vertically integrated. Like we're doing like Hawaiian haze CBD extraction, right? And so because you got limonene limonene in in the in that Hawaiian haze, I believe that Hawaiian haze CBD is like the closest thing to TV you're going to get. It's the closest thing to an upper, right? And so like we're making, we're putting that oil specifically in our carts and we're trying to actually a cartridge that is specific to what mood and what feeling you want to get into. I see that being kind of pushing the future of the market a little bit for sure, even in the THC market. And I mean, it's already happening, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of individuals. I mean, you look at like just the strains that are coming out, but I think that what's going to end up happening is like the miners trichomes and terpenes are going to be much more involved as we move on in, into this, into like the the future of cannabis. Because I think that that's, that's something that like people aren't really taking into consideration. And I do feel like those things and those miners are actually what affect
1: people more yeah. in some ways, especially individuals who are, are, are normal to the THC. Well, I mean, I, I fucking hope so. That's for sure. Because, you know, you're talking about bigger and better and that's what everybody's looking for. I think right now, you know, and what has been, you know, for the last little bit here has just been like how much THC content you got, you know, and just more content, more THC, more THC, more THC. And just like, it's been all about that as opposed to the minors. And, you know, you mentioned ADHD, right. You know, and that's why, you know, anxiety, ADHD, that's how I got into it too. You know, like 15, 16 years old ADHD taking Ritalin. And I was like, fuck this. Right. But looking back, it wasn't just like, THC it was all the other cannabinoids right all the other stuff that's going on in there and I think it was uh, you know talking about genetics I think it was a lot more complex than what's going on now in terms of what people are looking for and just like you know hate to put it like this but who's got the bigger dick or who's got the bigger car and who's got you know what I mean it's like I got the most yeah
0: I yeah, I think that that's a, a big thing. Also, like we're talking about like like the national market. I feel like you know everyone's like, oh, I got ninety plus, I got eighty seven plus, and I keep telling everybody, I go, like, I, I get that. I, under- I understand the need to do that from a manufacturing standpoint. So I, I put it into like you know prohibition, right? So like when prohibition happened, right? People were making whiskey and gin. Right or moonshine, and they were bringing it into speakeasies, and speakeasy owners were pouring into a bowl. I mean, everybody's seen this in like every single mafia movie from from that era, right? They put it in the bowl and they light it on fire, and it stays lit, right? Yeah. Well, all of us in the industry, no, that's ethanol, right? So I just got to question everybody: When's the last time you took a shot of ethanol? When's the last time you bought ethanol, other than to clean your machines? or to do extraction, right? Like the, it just doesn't exist anymore, right? Like nobody wants to get that drunk. And I feel like the market, that's where they're at, right? It's like, oh, like, mo- like more, 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 more. And I think that distribution and manufacturers are driving the narrative for what people want. Like we're like distributors and, and processors are, are driving that to consumers. You want stronger, you want stronger. Like, this is stronger. Like, dude, like, that's great. Like, <laughs> But, like, I mean, you don't always reach for ghost pepper hot sauce because, like, you just want to have some buffalo wings, like, yeah. and enjoy yourself, yeah. right? It's like, I just think it's, it's too much. It's too strong. And when it comes down to it, like, a lot of our – like, our distillate that we throw into our, our, our cards, you know, is only is only going to be 75% because I want the other 25% in the material. Right. Cause I think that that's what actually helps our, our, our clientele. And I think that that's where we're going to eventually go. I say like, as far as CBD sales, I tell everybody, I go like, listen to like THC is your vodka and CBD is your salsa water, Mm -hmm. right? You got to know your ratios. You got to know what kind of event you want to go to and what kind of mood you want to be in. And I think that that's, that the consumers are going to be smarter. I mean, I look at like, you know, that the previous, you know, the younger generation and like, they're just educated, man. Like, people know what they want, especially when it comes to cannabis. And I think that it, it's going to settle once, once, once is on the same page and on the same, you know, you can just, once interstate happens and you can move things federally, that education is going to, is going to continually speed up and continually go to the point where, you know, processors and distributors aren't driving that. And people are like, dude, like, I don't want 30 percent THC every day like I I, you know what I mean I want like a nice 18 percent 8 percent CBD like we're good give me like a two to one ratio like I'm fine thank Mm -hmm. you very much I'll have a nice day
1: exactly exactly well I hope I'll be right for you in that regard now you know before I let you go as we're winding down here you know we mentioned a little bit about goal setting a little bit about you know uh, success in that regard right but how do you define success you know, whether it be professionally, personally, and spiritually, what does success look like for you?
0: So, I mean, big thing is balance, right? So like life balance and then also like progression. So a big thing that I think I've learned as I got older, right, is I, I drive success for like your own personal goals. Like I, I honestly, I honestly like, I mean, this is going to get a little like, I don't know, like methodical, right? But like yeah. I, I write goals down on a daily basis. Like so like I have like my, my four long-term goals, right? And then I have like achievements for the day, for the week, for the month. I'm a big Jim Rohn fan, just in general. Like you want to look him up, Jim Rohn journaling. He's pretty awesome. You know, self-growth, like, right. Like, like my number one goal always is like, you know, is to be a good
1: dad. Jim Rohn was, uh, that was, uh, that was, uh, what's Tony Robbins' mentor, right? I mean. Yep. 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 So like, he's, he's
0: a big guy uh, that I listen to a lot, you know, like, you know, be a good dad you know, be a good husband, you know, change the world through food and fitness, be financially like continually to continue to, to grow financially. And then also to grow like educationally. Right. So like the, 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 the goal of success is marginal increments, right. Marginal successes, two to 5% every, every 12 weeks is, is good for me. Like that's just for my fitness days. Right. Like you want to keep maxing out. You want to keep growing that, that, you know, putting those plates on the, the the barbell, you can't just you can't just go up 200 pounds in a day. It ain't gonna happen, right? You got it's slow success while managing stress, and you know that's it, dude. You know, like that's that success for me is nice and slow and steady, and you know, give it time and try to be patient, and that's it, man. That got success for me. Like if I can keep growing and keep getting better,
1: I'm good. I love that. I love that. You know, it's it's funny, right? Because I think, you know, that's my favorite question, right? So I always ask that. Make sure to get to get that in there, and you know, a lot of times people are caught off guard, and they're like, "Wow, that's a great question." Same thing, like if you ask people someone your vision, like, so what's your vision? People are like, "I mean, I didn't really, you know, didn't really think about it. Like, how do you not, you know, know your vision, kind of thing." Same thing with success, right? People, but it sounds like to me, right, like you got it written down. You got it. You thought about this, you know, exactly where you're going. And, and that's, that's amazing. Right. You know, and like you said, for me, success is that, you know, progress, right. Success is progress sound similar to what you're saying, right. You know, slow and steady, just keep moving, you know, just keep, keep getting better. And, you know, we're talking about there, you know, sometimes it takes a few iterations to get it right, you know, and sometimes it doesn't just come overnight, you know, and having to, to get you know new people in or whatever else it is and like with elon musk right you're talking about with elon musk where uh he had to get rid of all these dudes and bring it in and have a whole fresh look right and some people may look at that as failure but actually it's it's progress in the sense that you know you have a new iteration of something new that's that's fresh and you can go with so cool james man i appreciate it i appreciate it I appreciate you for sure now as we close you know how can listeners find out more about new hope cbd dark side as that comes out and everything else you guys have coming up and connecting with you as well
0: I'm uh, in. Yeah. yeah, man. Anytime, man. It's a, it a pleasure. Super excited to be here. Super excited that you invited me. Thank you so much. And, you know, hopefully uh, we have an awesome 2022.
1: Thanks. Thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll repeat that again so we can edit it properly. But what I was asking was that as we close, hold on, I'll give it a second. How, as we close, how can listeners find out more about New Hope CBD? You know, dark side and connect with you and get your products and everything else like that.
0: Yeah, sure, man. So you can find us at uh, www.newhope.com. Dash CBD.com. Uh, somebody actually went on the URL after we created our first LLC and actually snagged our name and is trying to sell it back to us. Yeah, we no have to, wow. nah, to put that dash.
1: That's in my, my Every, time, that every single awesome. time I
0: have to say it, it kills me. I like and And, or you can find us on Instagram, New Hope CBD. It's actually new underscore hope underscore CBD. Twitter, Facebook, for sure. And uh, we're posting informational stuff on a normal basis. And yeah, man, I hope to hear from anybody with questions or concerns on, on anything.
1: Love it. Love it. So yeah, everybody, check it out. Check out new hope and everything they got going on. You can find the links here, um, wherever you listen to it. And, and thank you so much for listening today as well. Everybody out there appreciate you and definitely as well. Appreciate you, James, you're the man super insightful in a, in a lot of different ways and I'm really impressed on, you know, not just what, what you guys got going on, but just kind of your, your mind state. And it's not just about, you know the the quick buck as you said or anything like that you know just like really self-improvement like you're mentioning with jim Rohn and, and uh, a lot of great things going on there so appreciate that appreciate you so good luck to you to you and the rest of the year and beyond all right thanks man thank you
0: thanks for listening to dank discussions we are so grateful for each and every one of you Please make sure you subscribe and leave a review. We want to continue making dank content you want to hear, so give us some feedback about the topics you want covered. Feel free to reach out to us at grow at That's G-R-O-W at C-A-L-A-C-A-N-N dot com. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter for our latest updates.